Hey, you're listening to the Catalyst Church Podcast, here to incite change through Jesus. Check us out on social media, Catalyst Church NZ. Now, onto this week's message. You can catch an idea. You can catch faith. You can actually catch fear. You can catch an attitude. I don't know if you've ever caught an attitude before. Like, it's very easy to catch an attitude. I was speaking to someone about a situation they went through, and they were working through it, and they were handing it over to God, but they were wrong. Like, I don't know if you've ever spoken to someone where you're like, man, that is so wrong. That should never have happened to you. And they're telling me about this situation, but they tell me this statement, I'm handing it over to God, and I'm working through this situation. I'm like, that's good. But I caught a bit of an attitude from this thing, and I saw the person that had wronged them, and, and at this point in time, they, they, this, this person had actually come into church and to, and to, to the house of God. And I'm looking at this person thinking, you're a little so-and-so. I caught an attitude and I had to repent and go, actually, you know, God, I thank God that they're in church. They're there. But it's possible to catch attitudes. It's possible to catch offenses. Do you know, it's also possible to catch vision. It's, it's, it's possible to, to, to catch the word of God. It's, it's possible to catch things, but it is possible to catch a thought. And it's possible to catch a thought. And today I want to talk to you about what are you thinking? Because what do you do when you are caught between two lines of thinking? I don't know if you find yourself in this situation a, a lot, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read to you uh, from Scripture from Numbers 13. This is an incredible passage of Scripture. Uh, it's an incredible story where God has a promise for the people of Israel, and they're going out to, to go check out the land. They're going out to explore what's going on, and they're caught between a couple of thoughts. Are you ever caught between a couple of thoughts where you think, man, it'll be so good to do this, but then you're like, oh, on the other hand, oh man, that, that scares me a little bit. Like, I, I'll be honest, like even with this, this salon, like there is this idea, like, you know, I'm caught between two thoughts in some senses of what's going on. Caught between the, the thoughts of either can I or, or, or I can't. And we need the Word of God to help bring us perspective. So if you've got a Bible, you can turn with me to Numbers 13. I want to read to you a few of the verses, and I want to give you like kind of a highlights version here. We're not going to read the whole thing. You can read it later on this afternoon if you want. But in 13 verse 1, it says this, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men out to spy the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the people of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, everyone a chief among them. So, God is saying, I want you to send out a bunch of different leaders out into the promised land. I want you to check out what it is. Verse 3, so Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran, according to the command of the Lord, all of them men who were the heads of the people of Israel. And we're going to skip down to verse 17. So it says this, Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan. The reason we skip that is it just lists off all the names. That's not so important for us today. Moses sent them out to spy the land of Canaan and to them, and said to them, go up to the Negev, go up to the hill country and see what the land is and whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, whether they are few or many, and whether the, the land that they dwell in is good or bad, and whether the cities they dwell in are camps or strongholds, and whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are trees in it or not. Be of good courage and bring some fruit of the land. Now the time was the season for the first ripe grapes. So here we have God saying to Moses, I want you to send out a 
dozen men, men that are leaders, men that know what they're doing, and I want them to go spy out the land. And there is a checklist of things. There is some pros and cons. I don't know if you've ever done this in business or in life where you've made a pros and cons list when it comes to doing things. He's like, I want you to check out the land and check out the list. Is it rich? Is it poor? Is there trees? Is there not? Are the people in there few or are they many? Is there, is there strong cities or are they, are they unfortified? And he wants to go through this whole list and check out what's going through. And then in verse 23, and they came to the valley of Eshkol and they cut down from there a branch with a single cluster of grapes and they carried it on a pole between two of them. I don't know if you ever thought about this. You read the Bible sometimes, you go there. Like when we go to go to pack and save or if you go to countdown, you go get a, a cluster of grapes. You do not need two people and a pole to carry a cluster of grapes. Like we're talking about a fruitful, prosperous land. We are talking about grapes the size of fists. We're talking about like a a land that is so prosperous, that is so flowing and fruitful in there. And they carried it on on, 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 on a pole between two of them. They also brought some pomegranates and figs. And verse 25, and at the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land. And they told him, we came to the land which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and, and this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. And the Amalekites dwelt with the land of Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the hill country, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea along the Jordan. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, The land with the, the, the land through which we have gone out to spy is a land that devours its, its inhabitants. And all the people that saw it are of great height. And there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who came from the Nephilim, and we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seemed to them. This scripture, this, this passage here is an incredible time. Like This is like a decision-making time in the history of Israel. And then we have 12 spies that are sent out. And for 40 days, they spy out the land. And if you've ever been a spy, the goal of a spy is not to get caught. Like they want to go in there and they want to spy out the land. They don't want people coming in and, and knowing that they've gone out and infiltrated it. And so they have these 12 guys. They go out for 40 days and they come back. And two guys, Joshua and Caleb, they recognize the land and they see the land as the promise of God. And then 10 guys, they come back and go, holy smokes, we can only see the problems. And they had the opportunity to receive the gift, but they focused on the giants. See, these 10 men, they went out. There was a promise from God. It was fruitful. It was lush. There was trees. There was everything that they were looking for. And they had the opportunity to receive the promises from God. But what they did is they decided to focus in on the giants. And my question to you today is, do you want the promise from the deliverer or do you want to live under the fear of being crushed from the obstacles that life throws at you? 
Jesus promised us that there would be troubles, that we would have opposition. And in fact, the opposition we face in our life is the very reason we're able to grow because we only go strong when there is resistance that comes against us. And in the times of the, the Bible here in the Old, Old Testament, in the book of Numbers, the, the Old Testament times, I don't know if you've ever read the Old Testament, but the Old Testament is ruthless. Like, it is rough, man. You hear stories about battles. You hear stories about how people are treated. You hear stories about, like, a different way of life. Because in the times back then, it was a dog-eat-dog world. Like, it was kill or be killed. It was, like, conquer or be conquered. And, and it meant that they didn't actually, the people of Israel, they didn't really have an option where they were. Right now, they are just wandering. They are traveling. They are in this, this land where God is going, I want you to go into the promised land. And, and we have these 10 guys here saying, hey, guys, let's stay where we are. Let's stay out here. There's nothing here, but let's just stay here where we are because this, this promised land is too hard for us. And, 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 and these two guys go, no, 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 we need to press on and we need to grab a hold of what it is. And in verse 32, the 10 guys, the Bible says that they spread a bad report amongst the people. I want to tell you today, there is many bad reports that have been spread. There is many people that are negative. There is many people that will say, you can't do it. There's many people saying, oh, there's a looming recession. There, there, oh, man, you've got to look after your health. Oh, man, that, that's going to stress you beyond what you can do. There's many people that bring a bad report about the world today. I don't know if you've ever looked at the 6 o'clock news, but the 6 o'clock news is terrible. It's just what everything's going wrong in the world today. It's everything that's, that's going wrong. I don't, I, I, I don't personally watch the news anymore because if it's big enough news, it's going to come to me. The reality is somebody's going to tell me, did you hear about what's going on in this situation, in this place, and what, what's going on? I don't want to wish that because the bad reports get spread to me and the negative time and time again. Like, oh my gosh, there's all these ram raids going on and there's all this problem with youth and crime is up and the hospital's overflowing and we've got shortages over here and we're going, we're going to have lack over here and there's not enough money over here. And especially now with the upcoming elections, my goodness, how much the, the, these, these parties are talking about how bad this one is and how bad this one is and how they're not got the answers and how they're not got the answers. I want to tell you, they're actually right. There's only one person who has the answer. His name is Jesus. We need to look to God. In fact, in a few weeks' time, I'm going to tell you how I believe you should vote as a Christian. I'm not going to tell you who to vote for. I'm going to tell you how to vote as a Christian. God has laid a message on my mind about principles, about what it is as Christians, how we cast our votes in a, in a land of democracy here. But they were there and they spread this bad report and it stopped people's actions. These 10 leaders from 10 of the tribes, they went out there and the people of Israel were there ready to go into the promised land. They had seen miracles. They had gone through miracles. They had gone through the Red Sea. They had gone through the desert. They had gone through hard times and they're on the edge of their miracle. And people were spreading a negative word to them. And the people were starting to catch a thought. They were start to catch a thought about what it was. And Caleb and Joseph said, no, we are well able to do this. And I want to ask you, what are the thoughts that you have flowing in your head today? What are the thoughts that are talking about your future, about your plans, what God has for you? See, the whole nation caught a thought and it made their faith weak. And the thoughts that you have will either strengthen or weaken your faith. That's why it's so important, the people that you have around you. 
Recently in my workplace, we've started a, a, a group of people of faith-based people that come together like a connect group to encourage people in business because the reality is a lot of people in business, they don't have the same, uh, same like sphere of, 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 of looking after. Like we look after families and, and that, but we want to look after business. And we have these people that can encourage you and brainstorm around you and, and support you and what you're going through. And so we, we have this group, it's called The Gathering, and it's like a group of people that would encourage people on their goals what they're, what they're believing for. And the problem that the Israelites had is that they were refusing to take that which was already theirs because this was the promised land from God. It was promised land. The enemy cannot take away what God has promised you. Only you can take away that which God has promised you because your thought life is the gatekeeper to your actions and your actions combined with faith are where the miracles of God are able to prevail. And the enemy's goal in his life, the devil's goal, is to attack your faith through weakening your faith immune system. That means that he wants to weed out the small things that are, that are in your head. He wants to plant small things in your head, the, the seeds, the thoughts. And he's trying to take you away from the promises of God. And the reality is, is that before you catch a feeling, you catch a thought. So whenever we get a thought, whenever we have something going in our lives, we want to ask ourselves a question. Where did that thought come from? What is the source of this thought? Where did I actually get this idea in my head? Because Joshua and Caleb, they're in there and they had this yes in their spirit. And the other 10 spies had a no. Do you know in your life, there are so many more reasons not to go forward than there is to go forward. Have you ever found that? Like, like for me, like to make a decision to go, yes, I'll say yes to God. It is way harder to say yes than it is to no. There is all sorts of reasons about why it's there. Like, you know, in the morning when you feel like called to pray and it's like winter and it's dark outside and it's cold. Like there is a lot of reasons, the compelling reasons to stay in your bed and not so many to go out. But yet when we do that, when we press on and we receive from God, you know, I had for many, many years, I've had this loft in my house. We've lived in our house for seven years and it's laid dormant from being used in the space that it currently is now because it became a dumping ground. I had a loft full of trash that was not trash, but stuff. Like it was just junk that got put up there. So much stuff that prevented it from being a space. But I knew God was wanting us to use it as a space to create a prayer and worship space. So we just, we one Saturday, we said, yes, we just, Devoted the Saturday, we pulled it all down, we chucked it all into our garage, we sorted it into piles. Some of it's gone off to be donated, some of it's gone off into our bin, some of it still needs to go off to the tip. But you know what, we created a space because I want to say yes, I want to have a space in my world that I can pray, that I can worship. Right now, there is 24-7 worship in that loft space because I want a zone that, that is just dedicated for me to be able to meet with God. In fact, we have a friend of ours over, she's, she's preparing to speak a message at her church tonight. She's like, can I just come over and hang out in your loft space and prepare? We're like, absolutely. But for many, for a long, long time, it took a long time for that to come because there's many reasons why not to. I looked at that and it was just there's many, many boxes and, and things. And in our lives, there's often so many things that would try and stop us from pushing forward. See, this was the promised land that God had given to the people of Israel. They had spent 40 years out in the wilderness. They had left the land of Egypt behind, and there was many miracles that were there. But those 10 spies, when they were right on the premises of going into the miracle of God, spread a bad report. They got into people's heads, and they were trying to stop them and convince them that this is not what God has for us. This is going to be too hard. Yet, 
the thought prevailed when it comes when it's mixed with faith. The promised land was the question was the question that we, God wants us to have is not about how it will be done, but like wants to like how can it be done, but how will it be done? Because when we say, how can it be done? We don't know the way. And in fact, the reality is we go, God, I don't know the way forward. I don't know the way that you've got planned for this. I didn't know the opportunity that we had with the business for Bianca. We didn't know the way that we're going to have all these things that come into our life. But if we have this attitude that goes, oh, how can that be done? Man, God won't move on that. But when we go to God and we say, how will it be done? How will your plans come forward in our lives? That is a totally different attitude. And we see this in Luke 1. Luke 1 is an incredible passage of Scripture. There's two, uh, two, two announcements that are given uh, to two different people, one to Zechariah and one to Mary about the upcoming birth of Jesus. And both of them have a very similar response. And if you read the Bible, they have two very different outcomes. And I believe it comes down to this, this very same fact. If you look in verse 13 of chapter 1 of Luke, it says this, but the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice in his birth. And he keeps giving all these promises about him. And then in verse 18, Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I'm an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. Other versions say, How will I know this? How will I know this? For I'm an old man and he starts to list off the excuses. He starts to lift off the reasons. He starts to go, you know what? I've been through this before. We've tried to have a child for many years. How's this? This is not even possible. And he starts to list off all the excuses. God's calling you to do something right now. And there's excuses that pop up in your head. There's reasons why. And some of them are legitimate. In fact, a lot of them are legitimate. There was giants in the land. They were very strong people. There was fortified cities, but yet God still wanted him to go forward. The result of Zechariah saying that is he's struck mute. And for the duration of the rest of the pregnancy, he can't speak until it's time to declare his name as John later on. But then we check out what happens in verse 30 when the angel appears to Mary. It says this, and the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. Do you notice both of them were told not to be afraid? Scary is a pretty, angels are pretty scary. Like they're pretty glorious. They're the, like we get this picture of angels. This is a side topic, but I just want to touch on this because we get this little picture of angels that they're this, these kind of like, you know, nice floaty things with halos and like, oh, hello, welcome here. And no, angels are majestic. They are big. They are powerful. They are, they're, they're, they're so big that they freak out the people when they come in that they need to say, don't be afraid. It's okay. This is like, this is not the end. And so the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call him his name Jesus. And he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. This is an incredible promise here to a virgin girl that's ready to be married but is not yet married. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be? How will this be since I am a virgin? Her response to the Holy Spirit, to the angel rather, there is that I am here. I am your servant. Tell me how this is going to be. How is this possible? And then the angel, we know this because the angel's response to Mary is to start to outline the way forward. It's not to try and counter the doubts in her heart. It's to lay it forth because in verse 34, 
He goes on here and says, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Yet the response to Zechariah and this is, Oh my gosh, you're not going to speak for the next like rest of the pregnancy because you've doubted what's going on here. So what are driving your thoughts? What are driving your thoughts? Because some there is more of something that is in your life. The more of something is in your life, the influence that comes around you, it will drive your thoughts. What is the loudest voice that you are facing right now? What is the most prevalent? What are the influences that you're allowing to speak into your world? Because they will influence your thoughts. What are the friends that you have in your space? Who are the colleagues that you allow to have a voice into your world? What is the social media people that you follow? What is the music that you listen to? What are the books that you read? What are the movies that you watch? What are the shows that you, 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 you look at on Netflix? All of these have a voice in your life. Who are the people that you're allowing to speak into you? Because Jesus loves you too much to leave you where you are today. He wants you to grow and change and become the man of God, the woman of God that He called you to be. And we must have space in our life for God to release His influence into our lives. So what are the spaces? What are the spheres that you're allowing God to speak into your life? Because when He speaks into your life, it suddenly changes who you are. We are called to feed ourselves daily. And we're going to talk about this a little bit in our established course, but I, I was reading it again. But there's this thing, and they're like, you know, and I'm going to list off a bunch of things. But when we when we pray, you know, when we when we read our Bible, when we read the Word, when we have devotions, these things here they are so good for us. And when we don't do them, we shouldn't feel guilty about that. When we don't do something like that, we should become hungry. We should, man, there is a lack. Like I don't know if you ate breakfast this morning, but if you didn't eat breakfast this morning, it's lunchtime today, right now. We're starting to get a bit hungry. I don't eat breakfast, so I'm feeling a bit hungry, right? And when I don't read the Word of God, I get like this, this stirring in me, man. Like, I just need the Word of God in my life. When I haven't spent time praying, I'm like, man, I just want to pray. So often I hear Bianca go, man, I just need to pray. It's been too long. It's been too long. I just need to pray. I just want. I'm feeling agitated in that. And we need to feed ourselves daily and we need to cultivate disciplines that allow God to speak into our lives, into our thoughts, into our world. That's why I love the YouVersion Bible app where you can look at multiple different versions and there's audio, there's audio versions on there. You can just push play. There's devotionals. We're doing a, a Bible reading plan right now. There's two versions. You can read the whole Bible and there's an express version. Both of them come with devotionals that help explain what's going on. If you want to be a part of that, just let us know. We can hook you into that. But having devotionals that help encourage you with good godly things and thoughts. Having times of prayer. I think prayer is so important. Prayer is twofold though. It's both speaking and it's listening. I think a lot of us are good at chucking up our shopping list prayers to God and saying, God, I need you to do this, 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 this. Amen. And we don't stop and wait and listen. We need to have, we need to have godly wisdom in our life that comes from good friends, that comes from good teaching, that comes from, from, from people that are around us. And these will plant a multitude of foundations in our life that will sprout up and structure us so that we can, that will strengthen us rather, that we can stand the storms of life so that when the torrents and busyness of life come against you, you will be able to stand. This week I discovered a new walkway. I was out at 
Scott Point, which is just around the corner from Hobsonville Point, if you know that. And there's this cool little walkway that goes right along the the um, the waterfront there. And I was walking along it on Thursday, and I, as I was looking across, I glanced across over into Beach Haven. And I don't know if you know or remember, but back in January when we had the massive floods, there was some massive landslides that are over there. And you can still look across the water today, and you can see this landslide that has happened right there, where it's just this massive amount of just hill has just come away, and it's just this cliff face is just done. And I know that there's properties over there that are that are teetering and coming closer to the edge. And as I was looking at this landslide this week, the Holy Spirit reminded me about what happens in nature because I was speaking to another person up north and there in, in, in Mangafai and they had a landslip on their land, not a, not a cliff face like them, but they just had slippage. And the reason they had slippage is they only had grass planted there. And what they needed to have on that land in order to do is they needed to have a whole bunch of bushes and shrubs and trees and greenery and other things that are planted in the land that had their roots that go down to bring stability. And what I discovered as I thought about this, what the Holy Spirit was saying to me is that so often in life, the storms of life come against us, bringing torrential downpour, and we don't have enough bushes and shrubbery of God's Word and God's thing in our life to create the foundations in us to allow us to absorb the storms and be able to flourish and go through. And that the weight of the storms of life weigh upon us so much that we see slippages come down and landslides come down. And actually God is saying to us, you know what, I want you to build into your life the disciplines, the the attitudes to cultivate in your head so that when the storms are there, you're thinking is right so that you can have a different perspective than negative negativity that would look to try and overcome in that space. So what are you allowing to speak into your life? What are your thoughts? What are coming the things for you? In Numbers 13, the 10 other spies spread their fears. They spread their insecurities to the people of God. And sometimes people might be people you trust. These were leaders. These were people that were heads of household. Maybe they might be family members. But I want to tell you today that if it does not align with the promises of God, if it does not align with the Word of God, then we cannot allow it to take root into our lives because it will take thought. We will capture it and it will mean that we will become unstable. Matthew 17 verses 20 and 21, Jesus says that if we were to have faith, as small as a mustard seed, that we can speak to this mountain, be moved into the ocean, and it will be moved. A mustard seed size of faith is just the tiniest bit of faith. And the good news for every one of us is that Jesus says that we, He has given to us, every person, a measure of faith. That means each one of us has some measure of faith in our life. God doesn't need much, but He does need something. And if you can grab a hold of that small measure of faith that you do have, God will take that and allow your mind to be transformed. Romans 12 verse 2 says this, Do not be, trans- do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And no matter what has been allowed into your head today, you can make a decision in this moment to allow the Word of God to become the foundation that would speak into your life, that the the lies of the past, the untruths that you have allowed to become a part of your foundations can be renewed today. So what are you needing a breakthrough in? What are you needing to shift in your world? Jesus, He made a way for us to move forward in freedom. He made a way for us to move forward in His victory. 
And today I want to take a moment to allow the Spirit of God to come and to move in your life. I don't know what the thoughts have been rushing around in your head as you've listened to today, as you've listened to this message, as you're there. But I want to tell you that God is wanting to shift the way that we think to increase to the level of faith in our lives. And so God, I pray right now, maybe you just want to close your eyes right now and just ask God to search your heart. God, I pray right now that you would just move in each one of our lives. God, I thank you that when we change our thoughts and our thinking, when we allow that foundation to be you, everything shifts. God, that there is a gateway that is unlocked into your promises when we allow your thoughts to be our thoughts. And God, today I pray you would highlight to each person any area of our lives Mine included, where my thinking is not your thinking. God, give us a godly perspective. God, give us godly insight. God, give us godly wisdom so that we can navigate our days into your promises. In a moment, we're going to take communion. And the reason we take communion is it reminds us of what Jesus did on the cross. It reminds us of the victory that was won. It reminds us that we no longer have to live in the past. And some of us we've got with our thinking, we need to, to shift and to change that. But do you know what? God wants us to know His plans, His future. And it comes when we center our lives back onto Him.